Welcome to the Da Vinci Hour, a podcast series that interviews individuals across the field of medicine to help provide an inside look into their experiences and provide insight on how to navigate the journey of becoming a physician. My name is Dr. Maxwell Cooper, and I will be your host. This podcast is brought to you by Da Vinci Academy, a medical education company that provides online video courses, outline format books, and clinical case videos for students studying the medical basic sciences. You can check out all that DaVinci Academy has to offer at www.dbiacademy.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of the DaVinci Hour. Uh, this week, I'm joined by uh, Dan Lambert, who is the CEO of an up-and-coming dermatology company called Pathology Watch. Um, I'm excited to hear about the new services and new technology he's offering uh, a growing number of dermatology practices, as he'll tell you about. So, Dan, welcome to the DaVinci Hour. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, maybe if you could give the listeners just a little bit of your background, uh, kind of like your personal background, and then how you got to be the CEO of Pathology Watch, uh, and then kind of what your role is there now as the CEO. Sure. Uh, so I'm a computer engineer by by training, um, and then was at Harvard Business School uh, back in 2011, and I worked on the the IBM. Uh, Watson team and did a lot of projects with them. Uh, and then I've been a, a serial entrepreneur ever since then. So this is my, this is my third venture back startup. Uh, my last company was Board Vitals, uh, very fast growth medical education, Inc. 500 company. Uh, and as I was developing that company, um, it became clear that, uh, that AI was coming into radiology and pathology and uh, ophthalmology as well. Um, and there, there weren't a whole lot of companies that were doing AI and pathology and just saw a great market opportunity. And it was inevitable that, uh, you know, the algorithms come in and help um, physicians that are, that are making uh, diagnostic decisions. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit about Pathology Watch, like what, what was kind of the impetus for starting it and, and what, uh, I guess, in a broad stroke sense, what do you guys offer to, to dermatology practices? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the, the hardest parts of starting um, any any company in healthcare is uh, how do you how do you get reimbursed in a in a system that's that's on a very um, you know per claim basis for still most of medicine. Um, and and we so we looked at this market and said how uh, how are we going to actually introduce the AI in a way that the market will truly uh, adopt it. Um, and the more that we looked at it, it didn't make a lot of sense to just develop the AI as a tool and then try to license it. It, it really needed to be um, a part of the a part of the laboratory, a part of the process, um, a part of the workflow of the of the physician. So at, at a basic level, what, what we do, um, we go out and, and talk to dermatologists, uh, convince them to send the samples to um, our laboratories in, instead of going to uh, Quest or LabCorp or uh, one of the major labs. Um, and those samples, uh, those biopsies come to our facility. Um, you know, we do the, the typical staining um, and then we digitize the samples or the, the, the slides. Uh, and then we, um, uh, we use a variety of algorithms um, to, to do the analysis. Uh, and then we have a physician do a final check and then uh, the results are um, pushed through to the dermatologist electronic medical record system. Um, so there are a few reasons why this system is, or this process is so much better than what existed before. 
Um, as, as you know, uh, most um, in residency, like most um, pathologists are using digital pathology and to learn and study, and then they get out into the real world and the industry is mostly kind of microscopes and fax machines. Um, and so our, our tagline is software eats pathology. We're replacing these very old systems um, with an entire end-to-end software process that um, that takes out those fax machines, that takes out the that takes out the microscopes. Um, a few a few re- specific reasons why we're growing so fast. So we we uh, we're in about seventy dermatology clinics, um, and we just started selling about two years ago. Um, the first one is that. Um, uh, there, there can be some potential financial upside for the dermatologist to view uh, the case um, digitally, because um, even though we're providing the primary consult, um, if you look at the case on a secondary consult, there may there may be a potential opportunities for like increased case complexity, for example. Um, second, secondarily, it's also just simply better patient care that you now have both the dermatologist and the dermatopathologist or the general pathologist looking looking at the case. Um, the, the other reasons on average, we see about, um, 25 hours of labor reduction in the dermatologist's office, because instead of them having to deal with fax machines, you know, we're integrated with, um, like ModMed and EasyDerm and eClinical Works, all the major EMRs for our, our field. Um, and it also did going digital also enables like a whole new world of being able to like very easily send the case to expert consults anywhere. Or have a or have your primary dermatopathologist be really anywhere in the world, um, and so it, it's freeing up um, a lot of uh, labor that otherwise um, would have had to be like right there in the in the lab. And I, I think all of those pieces together make this really transformational, and that's why we're getting so much um, you know adoption very quickly. Interesting. Now, are most of those clinics are they like private practice or or kind of like community health systems or is they more like academic centers? Like what or is it kind of a mix of everything? Yeah. Uh, so I would say mostly um, independent private practice dermatology clinics. Uh, we like to work with independent clinics because they're relatively fast decision makers. Uh, we can we can typically get an answer. Um, you know, within a within a month, and then they're sending volume almost almost immediately. Um, we do have a couple of major like hospital partnerships. We work with um, with Cedar Sinai Kingman Regional Regional Medical Center. Um, what's nice about them, they, I mean, they have uh, you know insurance coverage, which is a big part of our business. We do have to go out and and um, you know pick up the insurance contracts in order to do the billing for the for the pathology work. Um, and so having key uh, key health system as as partners is is pretty critical. Interesting. So I, I guess maybe and you touched on this a little bit already, but maybe walk us through it. So like I'm a dermatologist, I take a biopsy of, you know, a patient, uh, you know, of a patient in my office and I send it to you guys. Like, how does that, do you guys have people that come and pick these up on a regular basis or do we like ship them into like a central lab? And then are all your things done at like one, is everything processed like at one location or I guess maybe kind of. Yeah. Then- yeah. Those are yeah, really good questions. Um, so we, we have five labs um, across the country, um, typically in, in more of the sunshine states where you, you see more skin cancer. Um, and the reason why that we have multiple laboratories is uh, that it, it's important to have really fast turnaround time. These are cancer diagnoses. You know, we, we don't want to be shipping it all the way across the country. Um, we pick up from the dermatologist. Sometimes it's a courier. Um, sometimes, if, depending on the location, if it's really remote, it might be like UPS or FedEx. 
Um, and the, 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 the skin tissue is put into little formalin um, bottles or jars. Um, they're, they're shipped in, in packages um, or picked up via the courier and, and run to one of our laboratories. Um, once, once it gets to the laboratory, uh, we enter all of the, the patient information from um, like the, the, usually that information is coming from the dermatologist electronic medical record system so that we have a full record of the patient and the clinical visit. Um, the, the biopsy is taken and, you know, cut into thin slices, um, stain, turn into a slide. Um, and then that those slides are loaded into really high throughput digital scanners that, you know, it's scanning about a slide every 30 to 40 seconds or so. Um, and then that, that gives us, it, it takes these images completely digital. Now, one of the innovations that, that we brought to the industry is that, um, you know, these are, these are massive images. They can be, you know, one to two gigabytes per piece um, is figuring out how to break, um, break those images down into a bunch, into, you know, tens of thousands of small tiles uh, so that when a pathologist is looking at it, um, we're rendering exactly the, the tiles that, um, that are needed for the physician to, to view that case um, anywhere in the world. So, um, it, we enable a web browser that uh, you know, pathologists can log in, view the case, make their diagnosis right there, um, you know, within the browser. Uh, and that's really never happened before in pathology, um, as basic as that sounds. And that's very common in other industries, but it's the first time that you're seeing real usable digital interfaces um, in, in pathology. Um, and then when they sign out the case, we take those, those results for like from basically from the input from the web browser um, and submit the results back into the, um, into the EMR. Um, when the dermatologist goes into the EMR, they, they can see the report. And then if they want to view the image, it's just one click. It, uh, yeah, it automatically links from the report into our system. Um, so a lot of times they're, the, the dermatologist is in the patient office actually showing them what their, what their tumor looks like and, you know, what the treatment is going to be. Um, and they're showing the, like where the dermatopathologist actually highlighted a region or left a note or, um, you know, anything, anything like that. And, and um, the, so it, it completely actually changes the, the patient experience in a way that, you know, hasn't really happened before. And then, and that's super exciting. Um, also exciting to see like multiple experts being able to collaborate on the same case at the same time. Before this, if you wanted to look at it, you, you'd have to ship a glass slide like around the country. Um, you know, just it's just really inefficient. Um, and this is a uh, this is a much better way of doing things. We're going to take a quick break to let you know the DaVinci Hour podcast is brought to you by DaVinci Academy, which provides online video courses for the medical basic sciences. These courses are taught using a variety of teaching methods, including bullet point outlines, diagrams, radiology images and chalk talks to explain the fundamental concepts. We then teach the application of those concepts to numerous clinical pearls that are frequently tested on medical school exams and the USMLE. Our video courses are available on our website, dviacademy.com, as monthly subscriptions starting at $9.99 per month. Each video course has a corresponding outline format textbook as well. You can find the link to our website in the description below. Also, be sure to use the discount code TDH20 to receive 20% off any of our video courses. All right, now back to the podcast. Yeah, it sounds like you've really brought a significant amount of efficiency to what seems to be what previously was like somewhat of an outdated process. Um, I guess I'm wondering, you know, 
as you know, physicians and medicine at large is, is resistant to change and could not always be the best about adopting new technology or new ways of doing things. What were some of the like hurdles or, or maybe some of the like skepticism you received at first? And how did you like convert those, those dermatologists that may have been skeptical at first to, to adopting your services? Yeah, I think that's really true. And I, I think those first, you know, the first two or three clients were so much harder than the, you know, the last two or three clients. Like it, at this point, it's very well validated. And I think every, yeah, everyone's much more comfortable using, using digital. Um, and we don't, we don't get as much pushback anymore, but I think, you know, I think early on it was a question of, well, how do we know if, you know, how do we know if digital is safe? Um, how do we know that the scanner picked up all the, you know, all the tissue um, and actually the scanners have really good controls in them. Um, and we've, you know, we fine tune the scanners over time to be really safe. We do use, you know, we use some redundant imaging to make sure that, um, there's not, you know, there's not a piece of tissue that that's, that's missing. Um, and then also, you know, convincing the community that, uh, like algorithms can really help, um, like detecting, um, detecting blurry spots or uh, it's screening out things that happen inside the lab um, that, that where the case really needs to go back and the, and the slide needs to be redone, you know, a very common, you know, a very common problem um, in, in pathology. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that the benefit, I think when people have adopted it, we, we have nearly hundred percent client retention. So I think some, once someone starts using it, and they understand the, you know, the, the, the efficiency gain, the better quality of care, the, um, uh, you know, the potential like the financial upside. I, I think a lot of those conditions are, are um, all aligned and they say, okay, you know what, I'm willing to, I'm willing to give this a shot. Um, and they, they tend to not send all of their volume up front, like that, you know, send a few samples, make sure they can see the digital uh, make sure that the quality of the reports are good and there, there are definitive diagnoses. Um, and then, uh, and then they start sending more and more. And they, I think that's become a very, a very common pattern. Um, I think in general, you know, pathologists sure are, are fairly resistant about, uh, you know, about being automated out of a job. I, I think that that concern is in your field as well, you know, in, in radiology, Absolutely. Um, but we're, we're, you know, we're just not finding that like, this is not, um, uh, this is this is technology that's designed to assist and uh, help go faster. Um, but you know, it, like really excellent derm paths are are not going to be replaced by AI in the next few years, realistically. Um, gotcha. And I think that's an you know that's an important concept to understand. Is um, yeah, the re like also reimbursements are being cut. There needs to there does need to be ways to make pathology more efficient. And I think this is an answer. And the more forward thinking pathologists um, like actually are really embracing this and, and, and getting involved. So, and then that's exciting to see that the communities kind of help moving, moving things forward too. Great. Great. Maybe I, I was looking on your site and it looks like you guys not only, you know, offer the service of, you know, processing the sample, digitizing it, but then you offer the diagnostic side, like you actually have, it looks, looks like a full clinical dermatopathology team. Maybe tell me a little bit about how you've like recruited those, those pathologists and are they essentially like telepathologists or do you have them all in certain areas? And then do they, have they given up their practice or, or are they doing this as like another aspect of their career with, with you guys? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. And it's a really important part of what we do is not just, you know, we're not just a technology company. Um, we, we do provide um, the diagnosis as, as part of what we do. 
Um, we do have uh, um, almost five full-time um, dermatopathologists that are that are working on our cases to support the um, to support the client volume. Um, they um, the, it's structured as a, a contractor relationship, but most are doing uh, like working entirely with our with our cases that are that are flowing through. Um, and that really matters in the long run because as uh, you know, as AI comes out and as AI develops, uh, it's it's very important um, that to have physician to have basically pathologists that are forward thinking, um, that are willing to adopt the technology and also help us refine it. Uh, and so I think everyone on the team is is really quite has become quite tech savvy. Um, you know, a lot are using digital pathology regularly. Uh, they are working um, remotely, which which is amazing because that means that now all of a sudden you can have an expert dermatopathologist, even if your case is coming from like very rural Nevada, for example, or, you know, we have a bunch of cases coming from kind of, you know, middle of nowhere, uh, Arizona, California, Nevada. Well, um, you know, someone, someone is reading that remotely and we wouldn't have gotten that expert otherwise without telepathology. So um, we're at, well, I think we're at that moment where pathology is, is shifting as well. Excellent. Yeah. And, you know, we've, as you mentioned earlier, we've seen kind of this similar trend in, in radiology as well. There's a lot of, there's radiologists now similar to what you're describing with the pathologists that go full-time telerads where they're completely, you know, reading remotely. So that's, that's really interesting that the pathology is kind of moving that way as well. I guess it, it makes logical sense. It's in essence, the same kind of skill set, uh, you know, interpreting images. So that's, that's interesting. Um, I guess what what's some of like the positive feedback you've you've received from your your clients? Like what have what have they told you how this has like changed their practice? How's this has improved things? Like what's the kind of a couple of the positive comments you've received? Yeah, we actually so um, we actually have about fifteen case studies, and and for anyone that's that's interested, we we do share these case studies pretty openly. Just our, our website's pathologywatch.com. Um, but a few like a few things. Um, one is improvement in the improvement in the turnaround time um, because we've we've developed um, you know local laboratories uh, in in multiple locations um, we're getting really good um, you know really good turnaround uh, the second thing um, is the the savings on just the time in the dermatologist's office of dealing with you know faxes or auto faxes we're eliminating a huge portion of that. Um, where uh, we're, we use all like kind of enhanced interfaces that deliver the results directly attached to the patient record. So there, it, it's a lot safer that way too. So you're not, you know, you're not putting the wrong, the wrong like patient record in the, in the wrong chart. Um, and then uh, also the ability to like see the case, um, to see like what the lab is seeing. Um, and that, that ability, um, you know, it, it means that you can actually call up the pathologist and you can both be looking at the case at the same time, um, discuss that case. So it, it's it, in some ways, it's actually increased the amount of communication, um, which has a lot of, of benefit to the um, you know, benefit to the patient. And then just overall elimination of errors. I mean, our, our labs certainly have a much lower error rate than than general labs because we do because it is software based and we do have um, you know patient identification controls um, that are, that are better than other, better than other locations. So it's a, it's kind of a whole slew of, a whole slew of benefits. Um, one, and then uh, of course, one of the major things is like that if a clinic wants a specific dermatopathologist, we can set them up with, you know, literally anyone in the world that can use a web browser all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden that becomes enabled, um, which is pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty cool to kind of free up pathology generally. That's amazing. That's, uh, that kind of access is just, 
really unprecedented until till new technologies like yours. That's amazing. Um, I guess what one one thing I wanted to ask you real quick was, uh, you know, a lot of our audience are, you know, either attending physicians or resident physicians. What what are what's your advice kind of as a technology CEO or health CEO, health company CEO that for physicians that would want to get involved with something like this, like maybe they're practicing physicians, but they would want to, you know, get involved in a company like yours where they can, you know, contribute in a kind of a unique way in, me- in medicine, not just direct patient care, but kind of help new technologies like these really f- develop and foster. Yeah. I think it's so much about finding the right team. Um, you know, I, I very much understand my limitations as a, as a CEO, like I'm, I'm very strong on the technology side and great on the business side, but I've never practiced medicine. Right. And so, so I, I needed a partner, um, my, my partner, Dr. Greg Osmond, like a really great dermatopathologist and good person to work with. Um, it, bringing in that skill set was super important to balance out um, my own abilities and my own, um, my own exposure. And he's going to bring a completely different perspective uh, than I am coming from my own field of expertise. It's very hard to have one person with, you know, 20 skill sets in their head. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Um, I think sometimes, uh, you know, especially with physician entrepreneurs, it's super important to find someone that, uh, you know, has actually had formal, like formal training in, in you know, running a business or that has run a business before, um, also that can develop out the, um, the technology and the infrastructure and that knows like how to make right decisions. Um, we see a lot of physician run businesses that they're, they're kind of solo founder um, and, and those tend to fail. Uh, whereas the ones that get venture backing, it's, it's teams that have a lot more diverse skill set covered. Um, and even in our company, we, you know, we have three co-founders and, and we barely cover the expertise needed to, to run this business. Um, and so like there, most businesses cannot survive with just one founder, especially, you know, especially in medicine, you need, you need real expertise in, in many fields. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I guess we had, you know, talked about this earlier on, but um, maybe could you tell us a little bit more about some of the research and new developments your your company's doing with AI and how that plays into you know dermato- dermatopathology? Yeah, um, so uh, I mean, a big driver for starting this company is is being able to use um, AI eventually in the um, in the diagnostic process. Um, it's a it's a big endeavor. Um, you typically uh, so we use an approach called supervised learning, which means that we're extracting small tumor nests um, digitally, and then training the AI on exactly what the tumors look like. Um, And that's opposed to the other AI technique, which is called unsupervised learning, which is just kind of taking a million cases and throwing it at the AI and trying to let the AI figure out um, like what, what works and what doesn't. Uh, and specifically, um, why we why we picked supervised learning? It's a lot more expensive to build out, but the the um, uh, statistical accuracy is way way higher when you when you train it that way because you're teaching it very specifically um, what to what to look for. Um, on average, it takes about um, tw- between twenty five and thirty thousand tumor nests um, uh, for like to solve a particular AI line. Um, and that's, that's to get the, the sensitivity up into kind of the, you know, 99, 99.5% accuracy. It's, it's that, it's that size and, and level of data. And, and then it's also the diversity of data. Um, you know, you need, you need to make sure that you're um, getting samples from multiple different laboratories, multiple scanners, um, multiple patient demographics, uh, 
so that so that the AI has some level of generalizability because otherwise you're building you might be building an algorithm that's too narrow or or too brittle. Um, but the 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 premise is super exciting uh, that it can uh, you know at the, at those levels of accuracy you're really picking you're starting to pick up. Um, a lot of tumors that human physicians might miss. Um, and there are a lot of studies that the AI um, is, especially in like the areas like prostate, the AI is actually picking up tumors before, um, before humans can even see them because there, there are these kind of like emerging patterns um, that the AI can recognize on a, on a very, very small um, basis that, that would very easily be passed over. Um, I also think that the promise of AI is not just only in, in increasing clinical accuracy and, and speed and cost reduction. There's also a whole different world of, um, you know, there, the, there are some conditions um, like SCC, for example, that uh, it, it, like very rarely they, they might become like very dangerous and, and, and you might need to do genetic testing. Or maybe there's a case where like a patient would be a really great candidate for a drug trial or a certain kind of treatment. Um, and like those, those, possi those have not been possibilities when you're just relying on human review, but if you digitize the image um, and you pick up the, uh, the, these patterns that indicate like very personalized treatment, um, that's, that's a big win for the company as well as for the patient. Um, and it, you know some of these some of these treatments are uh, potentially expensive, but it also they can be fundamentally life saving if you find out that a tumor actually will metastasize or that you know hey this this patient really needs this this drug. Um, and so I think I think actually pathology is a key piece of the of the coming world of like highly personalized, highly algorithmic medicine um, that makes things way better. And 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 we're super excited uh, about that here at Pathology Watch. Just you know rebuilding the entire pipe. Knowing that we have a whole new set of tools that didn't even exist until you know five ten years ago, really interesting. That's, um, I mean, AI is kind of the it's kind of the buzzword right now. But I think for the reasons you listed, it really has a lot of dramatic, uh, I think, potential and 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 improvements in, in how we deliver care for sure. Both as you mentioned in my field in radiology, we've we've seen some of that already, and then definitely with pathology as well. It sounds like so. Another question I thought of is. Uh, as far as the compensation, you touched on this a little bit earlier. How, I guess, how does your company make money in, in the short sense? Do you guys build the practice directly? Do you build the patient's insurance directly? Is it a combination of both? How does that, how does that exactly work? Yeah, that's a, um, that's a really good question. Uh, so we, we build just the standard right now. We just build the standard um, uh, for tech, the technical component and the professional component. So we bill insurance for the work that's done um, inside of the inside of the laboratory. Uh, so it, and that's very similar to how you know any major laboratory gets um, to gets paid. Um, what's different about us is that eventually we'll have um, you know AI that makes uh, that enables the the um, pathologist to go faster, um, and so they'll be able to um, do more cases in, in a shorter amount of time. But then our, our reimbursements stay fixed. Um, eventually, uh, you know, it's, it, it's estimated that there, that there probably will be reimbursement codes for using AI and for using digital and all of that. But I, I think we're, we're definitely ahead of the reimbursement curve and the legal curve on this. Um, so, uh, to be, to be de determined on, on what those additional reimbursements look like for what we're trying to accomplish. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then I guess, have you guys seen is, is this something that 
you know, you've seen some of the more larger companies like that you've mentioned try to venture into, or is this, or you've seen kind of some other startups popping up in this, I guess, kind of what's your competitive landscape look like, if you will. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, we're, we're definitely seeing that the larger laboratories are just kind of starting to buy um, digital scanners right now. Um, I don't think they, I don't think they've, they've built, um, you know, viewers or integrated systems or anything like that. I, I think it's still very much early innings for the, for the large players, but they, I think they do fundamentally understand like the value that digital can unlock. And so um, we're, we're seeing kind of one-off, um, one-off investments. Um, I would say the, you know, the startup space um, is maturing. Um, we've, uh, so we, we raised about um, $40 million so far, and uh, we've definitely seen there, there are a couple of pathology companies that have, you know, raised north of a hundred million. So there, in my mind, there are kind of three or four um, pathology companies that have a real shot at, at kind of transforming the landscape, or at least the funding is there um, uh, for that. Um, I think that I think that we realistically start to see acquisitions in a um, in a three to four year time period. I think for a lot of groups, they're thinking of this as a, a buy much more rather than a than a build. I think it's it's easier to see the model once it's done and all that technology is ready to go. Um, and you know, bringing that into a much larger organization makes a lot more sense than um, trying to uh, like completely develop this in house, especially in a large organization. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I guess kind of to close closing things out here, I, I want to just kind of get your, your general advice for, and I realize we could probably do a whole podcast on this, but you know, what's your advice on for physicians or even non-physicians like yourself that, you know, they see a clinical need in healthcare, like you guys saw with pathology watch, like what are kind of those initial steps? Cause like, you know, as you know, as well as I do, good ideas are a dime a dozen, but how you actually yeah. execute on that and kind of the first I think a lot of people find a lot of trouble, at least in the initial first steps, like where do they go? Do they raise money? Do they not? Like, who do they talk to build a team? Those types of things. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the first, the first thing to always understand is that uh, like venture capitalists and angel investors and everybody like the idea is, is really only 1% of the company. I mean, it is, it is truly 99% execution, um, which makes sense. I mean, I, I think a lot of people think, oh yeah, there will be AI for pathology or there will be AI for radiology. Like that, that's like a fairly known concept, but the, the more important difference is, you know, how are you going to get the insurance contracts? How are you going to win the footprint? Um, how, you know, how are you going to sell it? Who's going to pay for this? Um, and I think the industry is very littered with companies that the idea was good, but they just didn't really find anyone that was willing to, to pay for it. Um, and so starting with gathering customer information early on is so much better than, than just like building something and hoping that it, hoping that it sticks. Um, uh, and for us, we, we went out and we, and before we built anything, we interviewed 15 dermatologists, um, and said, what are your biggest pain points? Like what would get you to switch? What would get you to send, send your volume? Um, and then, you know, and then we built it and then we went back to those clients and got them to switch over. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, uh, also I would say, especially in healthcare, we see a lot of companies that are really successful by actually that they have a component that looks like a physician practice. Um, you know, there's a, uh, you, you know, that you're going to be reimbursed if you're actually like touching the piece of clinical medicine, and a lot of startups like try to avoid that completely because, you know, they're trying to stay as like pure play SaaS or, or another kind of company. 
Um, and you, you know, if you want to really solve a problem, like you, you've got to be close enough to it that you're really actually, um, you know, touching some of the, like some of the services. Um, I would also say find a, you know, find a, a mentor, someone that's actually like raised money for healthcare, um, you know, or life sciences that, that has gotten to a certain point of exit or that has built a company before, um, because they're going to already have a, a network ready to go. Um, they can introduce you to the right kinds of angel investors that, that invest in this kind of thing, or they can tell you like, hey, you really need to stay bootstrapped until you get to X, Y, or Z. Um, venture funding rounds are actually very formulaic. Um, I've been on both sides of the table. So I, I know it's like, you know, it, it's not, it's actually not as mysterious as you think. Like when you, when you have certain defined milestones, whether that's number of patients or amount of revenue or a virality coefficient, or, you know, th there are things that the venture investors are generally looking for that you, um, you know, that you need to meet. Um, and if you know someone that knows like kind of what they're looking for, it really helps to find like what the KPIs are for the business and like what the business needs to focus on. Um, and so, you know, if, if anyone needs help, like, uh, you know, please reach out to me. Um, I'm, I'm happy to help, you know, happy to help mentor, especially if you're trying to solve a, a critical problem in healthcare. Um, I, I really respect that. Uh, and it, it's also, it's also great working with them, um, with doctors and coming, coming at their problems from a different angle. So, um, you know, build a, build a great team. And I think the rest kind of falls into place. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I guess kind of the, the closing thing is where, where can people go to one, learn more about pathology watch. And if, if there are, uh, you know, dermatologists out there listening that want to, you know, inquire more about your services, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you guys and get in contact. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just, you know, visiting our website, www.pathologywatch.com um, or send me an email directly, uh, dan at pathologywatch.com, um, you know, or just asking, you know, we're going to be at uh, AAD and a number of dermatology conferences. We have a booth at most of those places. Just, you know, stop by and, and ask questions and learn more about what we're doing. I, I think that we, we can genuinely help a lot of practices move way forward from the way that it works right now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dan, this has been really fascinating. This is, I think, like I told you, uh, some technology that I heard a little bit about when I interviewed a dermatologist a few months ago, and then to actually, you know, hear much more in depth about it now and, and how it's really changing dermatology practices and the, just the field of dermatology at large is really exciting. So thanks for taking time out of your, your busy schedule to tell us about Pathology Watch. Yeah. And thank you for having me. Um, and I, you know, hope to talk to, hope to talk to many of you. Um, you know, please reach out anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Da Vinci Hour, brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. More episodes are available on our website at dviacademy.com, our YouTube channel. They're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also on our website, you can find our video courses for anatomy, biochemistry, and histology, and they're available as month-to-month -month packages. They're also available as a combo package where you can get all three courses in one. Our website also has a store where you can find our outline format textbooks for anatomy, biochemistry, and histology. All textbooks are available in paperback version and as ebooks as well. These textbooks complement our video courses and provide a nice addition to the learning experience of allowing you to focus on the learning and not having to write anything down. On our website, we also provide a free clinical cases video series called Da Vinci Cases. Da Vinci Cases aims to help you learn how to answer USMLE questions and apply concepts that you learn in our courses to answering those questions. Our cases cover a variety of topics and organ systems, 
and they're updated frequently with new cases. And then lastly on our website, you can find our blog, which has interesting articles that cover medical history, important figures in medicine, and innovations in medicine. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour, brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. Please be sure to tune in for our next episode.